0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, which is newly on paperback and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. He is a good friend of mine, brilliant human being, Max Lugavere. Max Lugavere is a filmmaker TV personality, and health and science journalist. He is the director of the film, Breadhead, the first ever documentary about dementia prevention through diet and lifestyle, Max has contributed to Medscape, Vice, Fast Company, and The Daily Beast, among others, and is a regularly appearing core expert on The Dr. Oz Show. He is a sought-after speaker, invited to lecture at esteemed academic institutions such as the New York Academy of Sciences and Cornell Medicine. Stay tuned through the entire conversation because at the end of my conversation with Max, I answer one of your burning health questions, and in another ask me anything. All right, let's get to it. This is Max Lugavere's Art of Being Well. I'm so excited. Let's jump right into it. Let's, let's start with the amazing book, Genius Kitchen. And we have Genius Foods, Genius Life. This is the next level, Genius Kitchen. What precipitated? This this epic book.
1: Well, honestly, I was just trying to form a trilogy in the uh, in the in the likeness of uh, the great Christopher Nolan. Um, No, honestly, I I started my research about ten years ago when my mom got sick, and I became obsessed with trying to understand, to the best of my ability, the predispositions that might lead a person towards cognitive decline because my mom had a, a rare form of dementia called Lewy body dementia, and that is what gave birth to my first book, Genius Foods, which is sort of like a nutritional, I describe it as a nutritional care manual for the brain. It's very science heavy. It's mm-hmm. easy to read, but it's it goes deep into mechanisms because that was just really me trying to understand in real time what was happening in my mom's brain. But Genius That's Kitchen them. for me, first off, it's a cookbook. so food is so incredibly important. It's how we express love. It's how we bond with one another. It's how we communicate. It was one of my favorite things to do with my mom, which unfortunately, as her cognitive decline progressed, I was less and less able to because being in the kitchen became, became a hazard for my mom. So it's on the one hand to celebrate cooking and food and the joy of eating, But on the other hand, it really is where the rubber hits the road with all of the nutritional recommendations that I've made over the years, putting Mm -hmm. into practice all of the guidance that I've tried to offer my readers in terms of how to procure better brain health, better mental health, better metabolic health, and distilling all of that, all of that advice, all of that science, all of those recommendations into delicious meals. So it felt like the next logical progression, I guess you could say.
0: A hundred percent. It is, it is the next, it is the end of the trilogy, but it's the perfect bow at the end of it all. <laughs> uh, and you teach us how to do it. And it doesn't, we're going to get into the, how easy it is to be feeding our brain really delicious foods, but let's talk about, unpack something that you said there is like the, the benefit, the power of shared mealtime, which you now I'm guilty of that too. I'm always working and busy. My kids are in activities, you're, I'm teach. I'm learning from you. And what are some of the benefits of, of shared mealtime?
1: Oh, it's such a, such a great question. Such a great place to start. I mean, eating at home is, is one of the most powerful leverage points before we even get into the nitty gritty of, of dietary components to, to attain better health. I mean, you can cook the same meal at home that you would get out at a restaurant. It's going to have fewer calories, fewer fat calories, less sodium, and we also see that people who cook at home more, especially with with loved ones, family members, we see improved family dynamics in those situations. And I'm I'm actually living proof of that. My mom, one of my one of the, the core values that she had in raising me and my two younger brothers was that every night we had to have dinner together. This was almost a non-negotiable in my in my family. And the reason for that was she wanted because I come from a very small family. I don't really have much of an extended family. She wanted us all to develop great relationships with one another. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think cooking at home is, is, is so important. It's also great fun to do with friends. You invite people over, you partake in the, in the cooking process. It really, it's something that humans have been doing since we've been human. So it feels very mm-hmm. ancient to me. And yet culinary literacy is an art that's been lost like so many aspects of, of what it means to be human because we now live in the era of specialization. And I think it's caused our brains and our bodies and our psychology to suffer in more ways than one. We outsource now financial literacy. We outsource health literacy, right? And so I guess part of my mission has been to rein in health literacy and to put it back in the hands of the people that gravitate to my work. And so with this book, it's all about culinary literacy. And I actually, I've always been interested in cooking and I've always sort of had a knack for it, but it wasn't until my mother got sick when I had to really take over that role in my mm-hmm. family, that I started to really excel and hone my skills as a cook. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the most valuable things that I've, that I've learned. One of the most valuable aspects of what my family has had to endure is the fact that we've all become a little bit self, a little bit more self-sufficient due to mm-hmm. my mom's, my mom, the tragedy that was, that was my mom's life. And I think cooking is such a it's so I'm so happy that cooking was one of the, the more prominent phoenix, you know, to rise from the, uh, the, the ashes of what, of what we endured.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you think about knowing what you've gone through and like having this book come out and you mentioned growing up, this was a non-negotiable. Yeah. Uh, it has to be a full circle moment for you to like, to put this out in the world.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's really about giving, giving, giving others the tools, like taking, taking the, the, the fact that my mom was so sick and that, and that it really di- was such a disruptive force in my family for so long and, and trying to, to turn that into something meaningful and something, and something positive, because otherwise I mm-hmm. I feel that it would be in vain. And so mm-hmm. in the cookbook, I, I have all these recipes and, and we can talk about specific ones or, but it's, it's not just a recipe book. It's a, it's a wellness guide. It's a kitchen guide. But even within the recipes, there are... It was important for me to teach people how to cook even the basics. Because mm-hmm. these are things that I've had to learn on the job, so to speak. And like cooking a, a steak, something as simple as cooking a steak, so many people screw up. And so mm-hmm. I don't even count it as one of the recipes in the book. But it's in the book. How to cook, how to perfectly cook a, for example, ribeye or a beef tenderloin. Cooking something like a burger patty. This is it doesn't it's not rocket science that it takes to know how to cook a burger patty but yet so many people screw it up they don't know how to they don't know how to do it they add oil to the pan which they don't need to do with in the case of cooking ground beef and ground beef is one of the most economical and nutrient dense foods in the modern supermarket it's it's actually one of the cheapest ways to get the nutritional benefits of red meat and mm-hmm. pertaining to grass finished ground beef it's it's vastly cheaper than grass finished chops of beef so mm-hmm. Showing people how to cook, even the basics to me is something that, that uh, yeah, was something that I definitely wanted to accomplish um,
0: in the book. Yeah. And another, beyond the communal, relational, you mentioned sort of primal aspect of cooking at home, having, having that togetherness with your friends and family. Another aspect of it is recipes. Even if you're eating out at a healthy-ish restaurant, you don't know the oils they're cooking in unless you're speaking up, which I have my patients do if if they have to eat out or if they're traveling or if they want to eat out. What are some of the things that are non-negotiables for you yeah. when when you're eating out and you're not going to get the You have a lot more agency when you are eating at home. Yeah.
1: Generally, when, when eating out, with the exception of, of, I would say, Japanese food, I avoid uh, grain and grain products to the best of my ability. I'm a big advocate of using healthy fats when cooking. So, My primary, the primary fats that I use in my kitchen are extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil. Both are very chemically stable. Extra virgin olive oil provides the side benefit of providing phytochemicals like oleocanthal, which has been shown to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects on par with low dose ibuprofen, but without any of the negative side effects. And I'm a big advocate of steering away from grain and seed oils like canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, and the like. And we can talk about why I make that recommendation. But when you're eating out in a restaurant, Most of the time, we don't eat in restaurants alone. We're eating in restaurants as part of a social gathering, right? And so for Mm -hmm. me, not being so compulsively anal about the foods that I'm eating in that in that context is important to me, right? Because I don't want to sacrifice the dynamic of the group. And I want to be able to enjoy eating a restaurant, which I think is one of the greatest pleasures of modern life. So you can't control for those variables like fats. And restaurants are notorious cost cutters. But there are steps that you can take to minimize your exposure to these kinds of unhealthy fats and 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 unhealthy, hyper palatable menu items that are going to spin your hunger mechanisms out of control. So As I mentioned, I I tend to avoid grains. I tend to avoid grain products. So I typically skip the bread basket. For me, if I eat a piece of bread, I'm eating all the bread. That's just how I work, right? When I taste something that lights up dopamine reward centers in my brain... I just want to give myself to that food, and when I'm when I'm not able to moderate my consumption of those foods, I know that it's not moral failure. I know that it's just that I'm I'm my brain is hardwired to want to overconsume those foods because they tend to be calorie dense, which bread mm-hmm. is, and typically a source of rapidly digested carbohydrates. So I, I avoid the bread basket. And then when it comes to healthy f- versus unhealthy fats, I definitely avoid fried foods. I think that fried foods. In the context of the standard American diet, is one of the one of the worst health offenders. Mm-hmm. We can talk about why grain and seed oils are unhealthy from a, from a health standpoint, but they're made exponentially more unhealthy when they are used to fry foods because restaurants typically don't change the oils between every dish, they change them every Maybe once or, once a day at at best, but often it's not even every day that they change those the oils in the fryers. And by keeping these oils at frying temperature for an extended period of time, letting them cool down and reheating them the next day, creates really damaging cancer-causing compounds in these oils. So definitely mm-hmm. avoiding avoiding the fried foods. I try to avoid sauteed foods and go for grilled vegetables, grilled meats, things like that, which is fairly easy to do when eating out, you know, fish, beef. It's interesting though, that most of the fish that you're going to get in restaurants are not wild. They're farm-raised. But still, it's a better option than pasta dishes, than pizza dishes, and the like. When looking at beef, the vast majority of beef, unless it's explicitly labeled as such, is going to be grain-finished beef. Um, Mm -hmm. But still, a better option than uh, pasta dishes, pizza dishes, and fried dishes, and the like.
0: Mm -hmm. Well said. Man, I have to tell you, electrolyte imbalances are one of the top things that I see with patients. They're trying to do the good things. They're trying to eat better than most people. They're working out. They're doing all the wellness stuff, but they don't realize how important balancing and supporting electrolyte balance is imperative for their health. A product that I love in this space is Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. And if you're one of my patients that are listening to this podcast, you won't know how much I talk about electrolytes and elements specifically. 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. When you sweat, the primary electrolyte loss is sodium and you can lose up to seven grams per day. When sodium isn't replaced, it's common to experience muscle cramps, fatigue, brain fog, I see patients that have many different energy issues, muscle issues, digestive problems when their electrolytes are off. Element is so sure you will love their product and come back for more. They are offering you a free Element sample pack that's eight single serving packets, completely free. All you have to do is just cover the cost of shipping. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Will Cole. The deal is not available on their regular website, so you have to go to Drink Element, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, drinkelement.com slash Will Cole. Imagine the best sex you've ever had. Now imagine that it could be even better with products that were designed to naturally enhance sexual pleasure. A brand that I love in this space is Foria. Foria is using all natural and plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure, and relieve discomfort. I have to say, when I'm consulting patients, we're talking about hormone health and sexual health, people's relationships. I can't tell you how many people are struggling with painful sex, uncomfortable sex, hormonal problems. And one way to support optimal health in this area are the products from Foria. Foria has a serious cult following with tens of thousands of people who've had their sex lives, their sexual health, transformed through using these products. A product that my patients love is their arousal oil. Awaken uses CBD and warming sensation inducing organic botanicals that enhance arousal, sensitivity, pleasure, access to orgasm and help with any discomfort whatsoever. So yes, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to a better, healthier sex life. Foria is offering a special deal for the Art of Being Well listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash willcoal. Use code willcoal at checkout. That's f-o-r-i-a wellness.com foriawellness.com forward slash willcoal for 20% off your first order. I recommend again, trying their Awaken Arousal Oil. You'll thank me later. Beyond the health aspects of eating at home, and you know what you're getting as far as ingredients are concerned, you also mentioned grass-fed beef, and these healthy foods can be quite economical as well. You're going to save money eating at home. So let's talk about the economical side of eating at home, but also what are the nutrients within that that we should have on our plate for a healthy brain? As you say in the cover, a sharp brain strong body, what do we have to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm a big advocate of shopping around the the perimeter of the supermarket and really prioritizing whole plants and animal products. Uh, To me, I mean, an an optimal, an optimized diet, a biologically appropriate human diet is inclusive of both whole plants and animal products. Grass-fed beef is something that is, uh, is very accessible, but even even grain finished beef, I don't recommend it. It's, it, it, tends to support the factory farm system, which I can't support for for ethical reasons. However, I am in a privileged position to be able to not support the factory farm system, right? For most people mm-hmm. that don't have access to grass-finished, you know, the kind of pristine beef that I have access to living in Los Angeles, uh, still grain-finished beef is going to be a, a great option. And I'm very, I, I take great strides in the book to um, shun dogma, dietary dogma when it comes to these food items, right? Mm-hmm. So grass-fed beef, I think, is a, is a wonderful food item. It's loaded with highly bioavailable uh, zinc, vitamin B12, nutrients that are that are closely related to good brain health and good mental health. It's a source of creatine, which is important for brain energy metabolism. It's a, a legitimate source of carotenoids like lutein and zeaxanthin, which we know protect neural tissue in your eyes and in your brain. And studies show that Uh, There was one study in particular out of the Food and Mood Center at Deakin University that found that women who didn't consume the nationally recommended, uh, in Australia, three to four servings of red meat per week were twice as likely to be diagnosed with a mood disorder, a major mood Mm -hmm. disorder. So, and we can unpack that and look at mechanisms. But as I mentioned, beef is a a repository of many micronutrients that are related to to good brain Mm -hmm. health. And we, of course, we can't ignore the fact that animal products by far have higher quality higher uh, higher quality protein than than plant source products and protein is a non-negotiable when it comes to making us feel sated when it comes to growing and maintaining lean mass which should be mission critical for anybody looking to age well so i think for you know for me grass fed beef is a staple and i provide i provide uh, recipes for that and ways to economize again as i mentioned if you can't get grass fed grain finished is totally okay. You could also get cheaper cuts that tend to be tougher. But if you know how to cook them right, well, this is like where the magic happens. If you know how to cook a cheaper cut properly, then it becomes no different than a more expensive cut. Just got to cook it low and slow so that all the connective tissue, the collagen melts down into gelatin. It becomes amazing. It's how brisket is made it's great to have
0: that tool in your, in your, in your toolkit when looking to economize. And you teach us how to cook this in the, in the book, the perfect steak. I mean, so is that the tri- the tip low and slow for steaks? How, how do you cook a perfect steak? Yeah. So for, for cuts of meat, like brisket or for
1: ribs, and I provide uh, recipes for both uh, in the book, essentially you just want to, you want to cook them low and slow. So I typically will use a temperature of about 225 to 250 degrees Fahrenheit, and I'll cook them for four, five hours, if I, if, the, if I have the luxury of time. And again, it melts down collagen into what's called gelatin. So collagen is really tough, it's chewy. Nobody wants to eat collagen in, in, a, in an undercooked state. Poultry eaters that um, have ever bitten into an undercooked, this is gonna probably gross people out, but an undercooked drumstick, right? You often get those at restaurants. It's full of tendons and it's just not a, I mean, even if it's cooked to the temperature, at which point it's, it's safe to consume, it's not a very palatable experience. That chicken drumstick needed to be cooked way longer than it was. And so that's really it. It's about cooking these, these animal products low and slow so that the collagen melts and becomes gelatin, which becomes butter soft. Got it. Anybody who's ever had like a well-cooked uh, whole chicken or a rotisserie chicken knows what that's like because rotisserie chickens are just there on the spit for mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours. So you don't get that tenderness, uh, tenderness ch- texture.
0: Got it. Do you mind if I go through some of the recipes here and you tell us a little bit about them, but also maybe some of the benefits, I guess. That'll be a good way of maybe looking at a day in the life of what a genius kitchen looks like. Yeah. Are, you, are you up for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I, I've been looking at this one. I think it's looks delicious, solid, the better brain bowl. It looks like it has some avocados, some fish. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this
1: is one of my favorite recipes. It's super simple to make. All it entails is uh, an avocado. I've got some sardines in there. Sardines to the uninitiated uh, can can turn some people off, but they're actually quite delicious. And I find that the brand really matters. So I happen to love, and I have no financial affiliation with them, but Wild Planet makes some of the best love sardines. Them. Love them. Best sardines I've ever had. You can buy them in extra virgin olive oil. You could buy them in water. You could buy them in marinara sauce. All of the above. Delicious. So good. I, I highly recommend people check them out. You can also order them on Amazon, which I, which I often do. So it combines avocados, which have the highest concentration of fat-protecting antioxidants of any fruit or vegetable because they're so fatty, they're so unctuous, they're loaded with vitamin E, they're loaded with carotenoids, which we know support brain health directly. Also a great source of potassium, which supports cardiovascular health and fiber, so it's satiating. With sardines, which are a highly bioavailable source of vitamin D, of selenium, of calcium, because they include the bones. So wonderful source of calcium, protein, and of course, omega-3 fatty acids in their preformed state. Highly bioavailable to the brain and body. So you're combining... Avocados with sardines, and then I like to throw either a little bit of um, sea salt or extra virgin olive oil on it to top it off. Or if you want to get really fancy, um, a little bit of chipotle avocado oil-based mayo really completes the dish. Adds sort of a smoky, spicy taste to it, and it's super easy to do. It's like one of it's a three, four ingredient dish, and um, really fuels your brain for the day ahead, uh, supports your energy levels, and um, very tasty.
0: Love it! We're turning so many people on right now. They're mm-hmm. salivating just listening to this this convo. I can't find the page right now, but there's a coconut egg combination. Can we talk about coconuts, eggs, and this delicious dish that you have in the book?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's not a combination that that most people would um, think of first with regard to coconut, but eggs are an incredible brain healthy food. I I actually call eggs a cognitive multivitamin because an embryo when an embryo is developing will, the first structure to assemble is the nervous system, which includes the brain. So an egg yolk literally contains everything that nature has deemed important to grow and support a healthy brain. It's no wonder that egg yolks are loaded with with the dreaded cholesterol, because 25% of the cholesterol in your body is located in your brain. Now, you don't need to consume any cholesterol for good brain health. I just want to be really clear about that. But foods that contain cholesterol also tend to contain other nutrients that are supportive of brain health. And this is absolutely true for egg yolks. So in this dish, I combine egg yolks uh, and, well, whole eggs with coconut, which is actually really quite delicious. And coconut is a, a food, it's a great source of dietary fiber. It's also a source of medium chain triglycerides, which mm. whether or not you're on a ketogenic diet, get converted in the liver immediately to ketones, which is, the brain will use when available, so the brain will will use them as a fuel source. But above and beyond just fueling your brain, which is a benefit for anybody with any kind of genetic predisposition for Alzheimer's disease, possibly even for those with the condition. This is uh, uh, an area of of uh, of of investigation right now to see how ketogenic diets. Can be used as a, as a therapy for patients with Alzheimer's disease, but they act as a signaling molecule in the brain as well. So they increase availability of brain derived neurotrophic factor or BDNF. So to me, it's a it's a wonderful uh, wonderfully healthy dish that supports optimal brain function. And we have some
0: other herbs and spices in there. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's I found it. It's on page two thirty. It's the coconut curried eggs. You have basil, you have a lot, ginger, you have a, cumin, turmeric. They have a, it's like a a little medicine cabinet of, uh, <laughs> of foods. It really is some, some really
1: great uh, Mid- Middle Eastern and Mediterranean spices like turmeric, which we know is, is, has an anti-inflammatory effect due to the, to the presence of curcumin. Turmeric also provides aromatic turmerone, which supports uh, neural stem cell proliferation. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. Every, every recipe in the book centers around what I call a genius food. So whether it's eggs, whether it's grass-fed beef, whether it's dark leafy greens, whether it's berries, blueberries, or avocados, or even dark chocolate, which we've got a ton of dark chocolate recipes in the book, some that are expected, some that are not, extra virgin olive oil, every dish kind of has at its centerpiece one of these foods that is powerfully supportive of good brain and metabolic
0: health. All right, you mentioned blueberries, and I see that, but let me just say this, as a reader going through this, you could tell these were very intentionally curated, not just random put together. So I appreciate the thoughtfulness behind this. So the, I I love the title of this, the world's best blueberry smoothie that actually tastes like blueberries, which is such a great point. Talk about that, like about this recipe specifically, but also blueberries and the brain.
1: Yeah. So I want to pay homage to blueberries. And, and <laughs> but oftentimes when you consume a blueberry smoothie, it's the, the taste because the, the flavor of blue, blueberries are very delicate, is outweighed by often it's banana or apple. People throw apple juice in their smoothies, which to me makes no sense. You're just flooding it. <laughs> You're just flooding your system with, with fruit sugar. So this is a smoothie (laughs) that we've engineered to taste, to to provide that powerful blueberry flavor, which we know is so delicious and also so supportive of good brain health. We know thanks to the Nurses' Health Study that people who consume berries on a regular basis, this doesn't have to be on a daily basis, but uh, in this study, it was one to two servings a week. So that's really all it takes, can show a powerful benefit in terms of keeping the brain young by about two and a half years with blueberry consumption. And, It's rich with anthocyanins, which we know accumulate in the hippocampus, the memory memory processing center of the brain. Blueberry extract has been used to boost cognitive function um, in patients, I believe with mild cognitive cognitive impairment. So it's a food that's that's definitely very healthy. It's a low sugar fruit. I don't tire of eating blueberries. And so this smoothie, we basically, we wanted to really create a smoothie that was packed with blueberries, provided a, a potent dose of anthocyanins, which is the pigment in blueberries that makes them blue. But do it in a way that really like pays homage to the delicious and delicate flavor of the blueberry. Perfect.
0: When you do what you really love, like running, working out, eating delicious foods, enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, using their patented algorithm. Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear, objective picture of what's going on inside you and to offer you science backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. I get asked oftentimes on social media what labs I recommend. And obviously, as a functional medicine practitioner, I'm looking at labs for patients all the time. So there's my patients, and then there's people that are on social media or listeners to the art of being well, and they want access to great objective data to learn about their health as well. And that's why I love what Inside Tracker is doing. It's giving people positive agency over their health. And look, if they end up setting up a consult with me later on, I can use this amazing data from Inside Tracker in my functional medicine center. Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way toward reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you have to do is go to insidetracker.com slash artofbeingwell. That's Inside Tracker, I N S I D E T R A C K E R.com slash well. Our next partner has a product I recommend all the time it's athletic greens. It's a super convenient way to get nutrient-dense superfoods right into your day. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy levels, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also contains less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting really good. It's the one thing with all the best things. What I really love about Athletic Greens is that they use the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it really easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And I have to say, when I'm looking at labs, vitamin D deficiency is extremely common and you need that for energy, immune system, brain function, mood, so many things. And they also will give you five free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/willcole. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/willcole to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So, all the things we mentioned so far are very simple, very I mean accessible for the most part for most people. Ingredients, I, I, something that I love. Is your commentary on the food in the book like this Israeli style picket, pickled ca- cabbage? You mentioned you're looking at your ancestry. You're 99% Ashkenazi Jew, and you said that means you're hardwired to do two, enjoy two things: Larry David and anything pickled. Yeah. <laughs> so it's humorous as well. So tell me, tell me about this pickled cabbage and some benefits there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean humor is is definitely a major part of my of my work. It's one of the Things that I was so grateful that people teased out of Genius Foods that it was actually a funny book, despite being rich in in, in science and uh, and so yeah, Genius Kitchen is is no different. And I love anything pickled. I just do. I mean, we've been humans have been pickling things for millennia, right? Because it's such a powerful mm-hmm. means of of preserving food. I mean, just to give you an example, I. I'm a huge fan of pickled okra. I love pickled okra. Have you ever had pickled okra, Will?
0: I've never had it. Next time we hang out, yeah,
1: it's, make it happen. It's so freaking good. But I had a bottle of pickled okra in my fridge for God knows how long. It was in. The, it was one of those bottles that's just like, it's in the back of the fridge. You forget about it. You always see it. And you're like, I should throw that out. But maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Like, is it, maybe it's still good. And this pickled okra, I kid you not, I had a craving for it yesterday and I went to the supermarket, I bought a new bottle, although I still had that bottle in the back of my fridge that was a year old. And I was like, let me see, maybe it's still good, right? And I took one, I took it out, I felt the texture, it wasn't slimy or anything weird like that. And I took a bite and it was delicious. It was just as good, if not better than the, than the day that I bought it. So I ended up cleaning out that bottle, not by throwing it out and wasting food, but by, but by enjoying the remainder, the remaining pickled ogre that was in it. So pickling is a powerful preservative. Acetic uh, acid, which is what's found in vinegar, which is the primary pickling ingredient, is a great tool to support metabolic health. We know that it supports healthy blood sugar. It can be used to disrupt enzymes that are involved in the breaking down of disaccharides, which are uh, anything from sucrose, simple sugars, to dietary starches. So if you're eating a very high carb meal, like a pasta dish or a rice dish, and you're trying to minimize uh, glycemic excursions, something pickled along with it, or some kind of vinegar based beverage, which I have a recipe for that in the book as well, can be really great. There's also some evidence that vinegar can be used to stimulate uh, AMPK, which is a powerful sort of anti-aging pathway in the body. And so I'm just generally a fan. Pickled things are just, they're so good. They're an easy way to add zing to your foods. A nice hit of flavor in a way that doesn't add an excessive amount of calories, the way the most sauces do. Mm-hmm. Cooking a delicious dish, dish, I mean, it really is all about balancing salt, heat, sweetness. It's these flavors, and uh, when you have something pickled, for example, you know pickled onions. It's really easy to make pickled onions, and they're they're great on top of fatty, so fatty, fatty foods, right? Because it's the acid that cuts through that that fat texture on the tongue. So, knowing how to pickle foods super important. And yeah, just a great, great health boosting additive, great, uh, great culinary additive,
0: so many good things. I love it. And speaking of food, let's talk about this cover. You're looking like a snack on the cover of a (laughs) book. What was that like, man? I mean, the first time you're on the cover of of a book of yours. Yeah. Dude, well, I got
1: to admit, I'm a little self conscious about it. And now I'm. Blown. Well, you shouldn't be, man.
0: <laughs> my, my entire functional medicine team, which are all women, they were like, "Man, see, single." Everyone really wanted to know <laughs> if you were single. You've some functional medicine uh, groupies over here. Oh man, I, I am single. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just for what it's worth, but yeah, the cover. I don't know, man. It's. I feel so. We all have what's called a residual self-image. Like there's there's the image of you as you're perceived by other people, right? There's what you actually appear to look like, and then there's the image. There's what you think that you what you look like. And for me, my residual self-image is in stasis from the time I was 22 years old. So I look so adult on the cover and it just makes me feel a little bit like, God, who is that guy? But, uh, but yeah, but no, I, I mean, I felt, like it was, uh, I felt like it was time and these recipes, some,
0: some of the recipes are very personal to me. And yeah, I just, I figured why not? Yeah, I, it's perfect. I would think it would be something off if you weren't on the cover for this book. <laughs> it's a perfect cover for you to be on the book. Uh, before we, I, j- I want to jump into something else that's health related, but kind of different. I want to end with eggs. You talk about different ways to enjoy your egg. What's your favorite way to enjoy your eggs? The, the amazing brain multivitamin that it is.
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. I... I would have to say that my favorite way, although it's it's, I don't do them, I don't make them this way very often. But my favorite way is probably poached. I like poaching eggs because there's no added oil that's required, and you don't need to use a non-stick pan to make them. Now, I'm not saying that you need a non-stick pan to make eggs, but uh, making poached eggs is very easy, and I actually teach people how to do it in the book. There's no mm-hmm. added oil required, and it also preserves the healthiness of the yolk, which is really important. You don't want to overcook an egg yolk because it is a rich source of delicate polyunsaturated fats, as well as cholesterol, which can oxidize in the presence of heat, light, oxygen, etc. So poaching eggs uh, keeps the yolks runny, keeps them pristine while cooking the whites, which makes the, the protein in the whites more bioavailable. And I just, I love them. I also, you know, when you, when you poach eggs, you use a little bit of vinegar in the water. That's ideally how it's done a little bit of acetic acid. And I actually like the flavor imparted um, on the egg by that little tiny splash of vinegar, so that's my very favorite way to make it. Again, it's not the Love most it. the most. I, I, usually, when I'm like pressed for time, I'll make a scramble or I'll I'll fry eggs and make them
0: over easy. But uh, yeah, if I had the if I had the choice and I had the time, poached. Got it. All right. So pivoting a little bit, you on social media and you know just personally too, you've been a voice of reason about just the madness on social media and in our culture and sort of the the woke. The toxic wokeness, I would call it. Yeah, which I think is is. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about it because talking, <laughs> speaking of hurting the human brain, I think this is really happening uh, because I mean the concept of wokeness, conscious and progressive, all great things, but it's been co opted to this real malignant issue within our culture, and it's impacting wellness very negatively. So can you talk a little bit about that? and Yeah. And and by the way,
1: that was perfectly articulated toxic wokeness. I really, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a big problem. I think there's a lot of victim mindset. I think there's a lot of shaming going on uh, right now. And, and just speaking within my lane, how, how I see that manifest in terms of the nutrition and wellness world, it manifests a few different ways. You see sort of the health at any size movement, which I think can be ironically quite counterintuitive to health. People conflate healthiness at any size with uh, self-love at any size. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely feel self-love at any size. Mm -hmm. And I think there there is a lot of fat shaming going on. And I do concede that diet culture can be incredibly toxic. It certainly can be toxic, right? But we shouldn't then allow... The feelings that we have towards that then be projected onto those that actually are doing the work to attain better health. And there's no doubt that having a healthy weight, having a healthy body composition, a healthy waistline is, is part of the constellation of what it means to be healthy. There's no question about that. I think that it's great that we're now seeing different body types, bodies of different sizes, in the progress, in the, in like caught in motion with regard to uh, attaining better health. So I think that's a great thing. I think, I think that the push toward to, to redefine what it means to be beautiful, I think is a, a wonderful thing. There was a, I thought it was so great. I saw that Victoria Secret h- hired uh, the first ever model with Down syndrome recently, which I thought was a, a a wonderful initiative. And that's because beauty is, is absolutely subjective. It really is. But I think that with regard to health, there are objective biomarkers that we can point to. And mm-hmm. the health at any size movement, I think, likes to conveniently ignore that. Also the push towards intuitive eating. I think mm-hmm. intuitive eating is something that uh, lots of people love this idea, right? I'm just going to let my body dictate what it, what it needs. But mm-hmm. that, the ability to be intuitive in the standard American diet in the, in the standard American food environment, I should say, has been hijacked by hyperpalatable ultra-processed foods, right? If I'm allowing my body to eat intuitively, after I take the first spoon of ice cream, I'm eating the whole pint of ice cream. That's intuitively what my body wants. And there was actually a really well-performed meta-analysis that was just published showing that intuitive eating, there's actually no evidence that intuitive eating uh, improves diet quality in any in any practical capacity, any functional capacity. So, so there's that the whole dogma that food is food that we can't objectif- ob- objectively categorize food uh yeah. to me makes no sense are we saying that 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 we we can't have an objective discussion about what a healthful food is and what a uh, an unhealthful food is? Are you saying that donuts are just as healthy as broccoli? I mean, is that really what you're saying? Do we, are our, is our definition of food so vague and broad at this point, thanks to what I call nutritional wokeness, that food has ceased to have any definition at all. So long as it's, it's edible and it provides calories, because if that's the case, then Play-Doh is food. (laughs) Play-Doh is gluten, right? Yeah. So that's my hot take on nutritional, it, on dude. nutritional wokeness, and uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm happy to be uh, to be on the ground with you, boots on the ground, fighting against it because I think it's really Peace problematic. Man. There are some some good ideas to come from it. Again, pushback yeah. against diet culture, pushback against this one sort of objective image of yeah. what of what female usually beauty is supposed to look like. Yeah. By the way, it affects it affects men as well. Like there are so many Absolutely. men that
0: don't typically get discussed when it comes to body image pressure yeah. and the like, but those. Are my- and I was at the heart of that when intuitive fasting came out, cause that's the conversation I was having of like, all right, really, what is it intuition or is it insatiable cravings? Is it intuition or I mean that the, the reality is uh, why can't we have these conversations? Why do we have to suspend logic and facts and, and labs in my space like improving people's labs shouldn't be controversial.
1: Also, not every message is for you, right? If you're going right. to be triggered by somebody posting on their social media account that they came, up, came out with a book about intuitive fasting and fasting, the idea of, of foregoing food for uh, a certain uh, amount of time triggers you and triggers uh, unhealed wounds in you, then maybe that message yeah. wasn't for you to begin
0: with. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, for sure, and I, I think, like you said, there are good things from these conversations. But the solution to toxic tribalism isn't more extreme toxic tribalism. And I think we're, what we're saying here is there's a middle ground and context, and uh, we kind of lose that when we go to one extreme or the other.
1: Yeah, I, I really dislike vitriol in the nutrition in the online nutrition discourse. I think I think there's room for polarity. I think that polarity, the the tension between poles is good in the sense that it helps advance the conversation, but it's when people mm-hmm. cease to be kind uh, and 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 when that vitriol comes out, that's mm-hmm. when I think it's it really actually can turn gross. And I try to tune out. I actually try to tune out. I've gotten a lot better at blocking, which in the past I was a little bit more prideful about. I was like, I shouldn't block that person because that's just mm-hmm. like weakness in me, right? But, right. but I,
0: I've since uh, reframed my, my feelings on it. Oh yeah. Oh, the, the block button is one of the best self-care tools you can do in our space. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it to, to feed into it because you're not going to change minds that don't want to be changed, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, couldn't have said that better myself. There are so many people that will come
1: over and they, they seemingly want to debate, right? But you know that you're not going to yeah. change their mind. So it's, it's
0: literally yeah. just a waste of your time. It, they're committed to misunderstanding. They are <laughs> not going to give up. Yes unwavering misunderstanding. All right, my friend, that, as you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. This part of the podcast is Max Lugever's Art of Being Well. So I'm going to just throw out different things. I, I want to pick your brain, your genius brain. So first question, you're stuck on a desert island. I think I know what you're going to answer, how you're going to answer this, but you're stuck on a desert island. You're talking about nutrient density. I know it's in this book somewhere, but wh- and you had one food and one food only, not one of your delicious recipes survival, what would that food be? Oh my God. One single food. That's Not on dopamine.
1: Yeah. Purely survival. <laughs> purely survival. Oh man. I would probably have to pick, uh, that's a, such an interesting question. I'd probably have to pick red meat. Love it. Yeah. What were you, you, what, you what did you think that I was going to say?
0: I w- thought you would have said organ meats or maybe uh, coconuts. People say coconuts a lot too. Zero protein in coconut. Yeah. Sardines, anchovies. Maybe I thought you would have said that. Yeah.
1: I would, I would, I would settle, settle for those certainly. But I think beef would just be, I feel like I would get tired of eating sardines day in and day out. I never tire of eating a, of eating a well-cooked steak.
0: So love it. there you have it. All right. Next question. Let's go to completely other side. Complete dopamine, purely on deliciousness alone, but it's only one food. What would that food be? So my cheat food, <laughs> we're not talking about <laughs> nutritional value, right? Yes.
1: No, we're, I, completely remove nutrition? Oh, man. What would be my... Damn. I don't know, man. My, my favorite food on earth is actually very nutritious. So, All right. Let, let's, let's do it. Yeah. I would, I would say sushi. Although sushi is like, there are obviously multiple ingredients used yeah. in making... Yeah. But what's, what's your favorite sushi? What's the ideal delicious. God, I I love, I love it all so much. I think I was thinking about this actually earlier today, growing up, my parents, we didn't eat a lot of sushi whenever we did, I would love it, but it was sort of like a, uh, like a treat when, when we got to eat sushi, because my parents would always tell me it's very overpriced. It's very expensive. Like we just, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get it all the time. And so today, not only do I love it, but whenever I eat sushi, it makes me feel successful because because I wasn't able to eat it, you know, growing up. I, all, all I would hear about sushi was that it was like overpriced and, <laughs> and the like. So it's like, it's my favorite food. I could eat sushi every single night of the week. In terms of What's what, your f- what I like, I mean, I just like sa- salmon on rice or tuna on rice or albacore, yellowtail, uh, sometimes you get sea bream with a little bit of shiso leaf on top with a little bit of yuzu and sea salt. That is so damn good. I love uh, ikura, salmon roe. I love uni. I, I literally, I love it all. Probably the, the only sushi that I don't eat regularly is eel, just because I try to avoid gluten and the eel sauce. But uh, but aside from the sauce, I love eel too. What's
0: the best sushi place in, in LA? Do you have one you like? That's going to be, that's a controversial question. <laughs> According to Max Lugavere, let's just say that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I love sugar fish. I love sugarfish. There are probably better sushi restaurants. Well, specifically, I love ordering from Sugarfish because Sugarfish doesn't provide gluten-free soy sauce, which I hate about them. I really wish that they would, but they seem to have like an ego about it. But, uh, but I keep gluten-free organic tamari in my, in my fridge and I just love ordering from Sugarfish
0: and getting it delivered and eating it at home. Love it. What are two supplements that have, for you personally, been the biggest game changer? Wow. Well, what came to mind
1: off, off the top was astaxanthin. Just front of mind. I've been taking astaxanthin for probably 15 years at this point, if not longer. It's a powerful antioxidant found in marine life, so it's it's actually produced by algae as a response to the oxidative stress induced by constant sun exposure. Because you know, algae sit at the top of the at the surface of the lake or the pond or the or the ocean, river, whatever it is, and it as a as a protective mechanism to this to the relentless oxidative stress induced by the sun, they generate astaxanthin, which then Mm. gets eaten by salmon. And so it's why salmon has that beautiful red color. Astaxanthin is a red carotenoid. It's also what turns white flamingos pink. It's also found in shrimp and in, in a crab. And it's been shown to be powerfully protective of brain health, eye health, and skin health. It also has been shown to improve skin texture and the resilience that skin has to the sun. So astaxanthin is one of these that I've been taking for uh, for years at this point. And I guess I would have to say, other than that, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm a big fan of magnesium. Mm. I take um, about four or 500 milligrams of magnesium every day. I recently discovered that I have, uh, that I suffer occasionally from migraines. Not super frequently, but this is just like a headache that would come maybe once a month that I've that that I've had for as long as I can remember. And magnesium is one of these supplements that seems to really help prevent uh, headache occurrence, migraine occurrence.
0: Any any specific magnesium? What's your favorite form of it? I take glycinate because it's chelated;
1: it's bound to glycine. You can take it on on an empty stomach. It's highly bioavailable. And it also doesn't, because it is so bioavailable, doesn't have that like laxative effect that certain forms mm-hmm. of magnesium, like magnesium citrate can have, which that might be why you're taking magnesium because it is a, it is a powerful and, and safe, healthy laxative. It's not a stimulant laxative. But For mm-hmm. me, I take a fairly high dose of magnesium every day. And so for me, magnesium glycate, glycinate does the trick.
0: Got it. Next question. What is the weirdest wellness thing you've done that you're willing to admit on a podcast. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> These are great questions, by the way. Thanks, man. I just, I, I wake up thinking about them. <laughs> I add them to my uh, Gmail draft. That's wow. how uh, high tech I am. Wow. I mean, I was once dating a girl who uh, wanted me to get a
1: colonic with her. And I <laughs> and I did that. <laughs> I didn't feel like I uh, needed it. I didn't feel like I needed it. The things it. you
0: do for love when you're in wellness. <laughs> yeah. She She had an appointment to go and she was
1: like, why don't you come with me? And I was like, okay. So I went and um, that was the first and only time I've ever done that. So you wouldn't do it again? Well, what I remember, I distinctly remember because it was my first time and uh, it was obviously a very strange <laughs> experience to the, yeah, right. to the uninitiated.
0: Could forget? Yeah. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> so I, I remembered that afterwards I felt great. I felt like light as a feather and I felt, you know, like totally like, like I could almost, like I could suck in my stomach in a way that was like, but immediately upon eating food again, I went back to feeling normal which is normal and <laughs> and and, uh, and I was like okay why did I why did I need to do that to myself you know <laughs> like I'm I feel like this I call it yo-yo cleansing yeah you know this obsession with detoxing and and usually it's people feel compelled to to reach for cleanses and detoxes because they're constantly retoxing right they're eating whether it's processed junk or uh, industrial food additives or added sugar, unhealthy oils, drinking alcohol. But I don't really. My diet isn't doesn't have a lot of that stuff in it. So yeah, I don't. I don't feel the need to do that with any regularity. No pun intended.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect pun here. Uh, the next question. You and I have a mutual love of Erwan in LA. What is your like ideal bougie airwan meal? Damn.
1: My ideal bougie Erewhon meal. Well, I there's a there's a protein at Erewhon uh, that I really like. It's called carnitas, the carnitas. It's like a pork, shredded pork dish with like a citrus mojo sauce on it. Super delicious. So whenever uh, whenever Erewhon has that, that's what I'm getting. And I, I kind of know the days of the week where they have that now at this point. So I try to go. The other days of the week, the proteins are not that impressive, um, especially lately. But the carnitas, 10 out of 10, would totally recommend. And so I get that. And then I get their kale, white bean, and avocado salad which i don't know if you have a lot of listeners listeners that live in LA they're going to they're going to know that that salad is a,
0: a lot of them yeah it's going to be a lot of people running yeah right right now
1: yeah so the kale white bean avocado salad is my go to and then usually the, as the third side i'll get beets cuz i love love me some dietary nitrates good for blood flow maintaining healthy blood pressure
0: i'll usually go for that as my beets yeah as they, my second side do they still have glow nuts there the those little keto delicious donuts that I love. They do. Yeah. Wait, was I, was I with you when you, when you had them? Uh, we talked about we it talked, somewhere. I think them. it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They do have them. I love glow nuts. Glow nuts are great. Yeah. Shout out to glow Notes. <laughs> All right, my friend, last question. What's a book that you've read in the last year? It doesn't have to be health. It could be fiction, whatever. That's really inspired you or maybe got you thinking in, in a, in a fresh new way. Love that question. I was uh,
1: recommended a book that I bought called "On Food and Cooking" by an author named Harold McGee. One of my favorite books. It's a it's a dense nutrition resource. Breaks down every food component. I actually, when I got it, it was a tremendous source of inspiration for me while I was writing Genius Kitchen. So it's not it's not as um, user friendly as my book. It's not a cookbook either, but it does break apart every single food category and and down to the nitty gritty detail. It gets so granular about the details of how to properly cook food, how to properly source food, the, f- the food science behind what it means to to, to cook food. It's like six hundred pages long, if not more. Maybe maybe longer than that. Maybe it's like close to a thousand. It's a really thick book. It's all text, but it's just a wonderful resource. It's an it's an ode to f- to food
0: and and cooking. And um, I love I love having it. I love it, dude. This has been an amazing conversation. It's great catching up. Let's do it off the podcast soon, where can people get the book, learn all the stuff you we're talking about? We'll put all the notes in, this, in the show notes, by the way, for people that are wondering, but where can they get the book? If they wanna like see you maybe go on a date or something, <laughs> like what, where, do, where do they go? Definitely hit up geniuskitchenbook.com for the book. That's all I can offer you.
1: Uh, <laughs> Gen- geniuskitchenbook.com. You'll get links to all of the different um, stores. So whether it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Book Depository, for anybody that doesn't live in the U.S., Book Depository is a great um, place to order from because they provide free international shipping. Um, you can also get it from your local bookstore. We love to support local local bookstores. But yeah, GeniusKitchenBook.com. And then I'm super active on Instagram. It's at MaxLugavere. And then I host my own podcast, which Will has been on. It's called The Genius Life.
0: Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Love you, bro. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Zach. Zach asks, hi, Dr. Rokul. What do you recommend for someone suffering with chronic migraines? Well, first of all, Zach, I know how difficult it can be for anybody struggling with chronic pain. A functional medicine perspective on chronic migraines or any different type of pain problem or different inflammatory issue is to get to the root cause, right? So chronic migraines are check engine lights, just like a check engine light is on on the car. Chronic migraines, symptoms like this are a sign that something else is going on. So we have to look underneath that proverbial hood to see what's misfiring, what's dysfunctional, what's imbalanced, what's deficient that's driving that check engine light or that chronic migraine in this instance. So how do we do that? We want to run labs. We want to look at a comprehensive health history. We want to figure out what's going on there. Typically, it's a confluence of factors. So we look at hormones. We look at nutrient deficiencies. We look at the gut. We look at different chronic infections, toxins. I can see any number of different variables that are at play. It would be irresponsible of me to be able to know the exact variables for your case, Zach, or your whoever's struggling with this in your life. So without knowing the details of the case, let me go over some traditionally used things for migraine relief. It's not necessarily getting to the root cause. So there's no replacement for labs in health history. But let's go over some of the things that I've seen in the scientific literature to be beneficial at alleviating migraine symptoms. We use different herbs sometimes in the clinic for patients, uh, herbs like feverfew, willow, ginger, valerian, dong quai, lavender oil, rosemary. These are blends in different botanicals, herbal medicines that can be very helpful for uh, people struggling with migraines. Peppermint is one specifically that has a lot of really interesting studies around it, a lot of good evidence around it. There was a study published in the International Journal of Clinical Practice that found that menthol, which was the active compound in peppermint oil was effective at stopping migraine pain and and easing nausea when applied to the forehead and temples in a 10% solution. So think essential oils, those are different protocols that we integrate in um, patients' lives. Another thing to consider when it comes to migraines are healthy fats. There's a study, recent study actually published in the British Medical Journal. It was done, I think it was in the University of North Carolina. It found that a diet that was higher in fatty fish helped frequent migraine sufferers reduce their monthly number of headaches and intensity. Basically, the severity and the frequency of their pain was decreased compared to people who ate more higher vegetable-based fats. I'm pulling up the study right now. This study was of 182 adults. And they found that linoleic acid in polyunsaturated fatty acids that was it's high in many Americans' diets. Think corn oil, soybean oil, vegetable oil, canola oil. That is highest amount of types of fats that most Americans are eating. And what they found was that people that focused on more of these wild caught fish, these fatty fish, actually decreased severity and frequency of their migraine pains. Pretty Astounding study, exciting stuff. It's things that I see clinically all the time. In the 16-week dietary intervention in the study, participants were randomly assigned to one of three healthy diet plans. Participants all received meal kits that included fish, vegetables, hummus, salads, and breakfast items One group received meals that had high levels of fatty fish or oils from fatty fish and lower levels of linoleic acid heavy diets, think the vegetable oil, soybean oil, canola oil. A second group received meals that had higher levels of fatty fish and higher linoleic acid. And then the third group received meals with high linoleic acid and lower levels of fatty fish to mimic average US intakes. The diet lower in vegetable oil and higher in fatty fish produced between 30 and 40% reductions in total headache hours per day, severe headaches hours per day, and overall headache days per month compared to the tr- control group. This is without a doubt things that I see clinically as well. Blood samples from this group of participants also had lower levels of pain related. Lipids, different inflammatory markers, pretty cool stuff. So, hopefully, these were some great tools for you to lean into, Zach.